Hello, welcome. What's going on? Reinforced Running Podcast here. My name is Rich Ryan. Today we have a torque talk with Annie Doobie. She jumps on episode to recap her amazing performance at the Spartan World Championships where she took second place overall. So we talk a lot about her commitment to being an OCR athlete and really what that looks like uh, this previous year and what it looks like down the road. And it's been great to get to know Annie over the years, uh, over this year and through these recaps. And, and she's always very honest and provides a lot of great insight uh, around how she's been able to make this type of, of awesome progress. So before we get into it from time to time, uh, we're going to throw down a listener Q&A here on the Reinforced Running Podcast. I've decided to try to make it quarterly, quarterly Q&A. It sounds nice. So this week, we'll, uh, this upcoming week, we're going to do a Q&A episode. So there's two options. If you have questions, shoot me a message on Instagram or look for the uh, Q&A sticker situation on Instagram. It's uh, reinforced underscore running underscore rich. Give us a follow. Hit us with questions. Or there's a Google form in the show notes that you can click on and drop your questions. So take a look at that. All right, that's that. Let's get into it. Annie Doobie. All right, we're on. Annie Doobie, hello. Hi. <laughs> so you are, you are back. You had an epic trip. Not just, I think everyone who went to Abu Dhabi had an epic trip, but you actually made it an epic trip. So you just got back, what? couple days ago. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Welcome back. Yeah. So I want to dive into the race right away where you finished second. Congratulations again. How has that felt just from the start? Like, I mean, you've been consistent in that placement, it seems like for most of the year, but this race was, that was on a different scale. How has it felt now that I guess we're almost to a two or three weeks removed from it. So how, how has it been feeling in terms of when you look back at the actual place. Yeah, it's, uh, I think I, now that I'm back home, it's almost like hitting me even more than it was over there. Cause I kinda, it was a weird feeling. Like there was a lot of excitement that night and it was kind of just like a wild, it's like couple days in general, we were all like walking zombies and then like this massive thing happened. And then everyone just kind of like dispersed right away um, because they had flights to catch. And there was like this, like, you know, drama with the shuttle and like fear that the shuttle wouldn't run back because they have this fog in the night. And so like buses can't mm -hmm. run in the night. And so like everyone just kind of like left the venue after the team race. Um, and I felt like, I don't know, like, I was obviously in shock, like that this whole thing went down and then like trying to take it all in, but not really having like the time to do it. Um, and then I went into this epic trip and kind of like put the race behind me and just focused on like having fun and enjoying like some off time. Um, and now I'm back in the States and like, it's, uh, I'm kind of like looking over the photos and the videos and, you know, watching the YouTube and stuff. And it's exciting to like, kind of have the time to sit down and like remember it all and talk about it and um, kind of just let it sink in more. So, yeah. right. Or, or maybe a typical race. Like if you raced at Utah, when the first one happened, you got on a plane, flew home and like that, then all you're doing is probably thinking about mm -hmm. what just happened. And like the next couple of days, it's back to kind of training and still kind of thinking about it, what it was, but you were kind of in a suspended reality for a while. Yeah. And also <laughs> I didn't like buy a phone plan or anything when I was there. So the only times I was really on like social media or 
the internet whatsoever was um, like at a hotel and like I wasn't really spending much time at hotels. I was out and about doing stuff. So that was the other thing. Like I kind of missed all the hype and like what was going on on Instagram and stuff just because I didn't have internet. And uh, that was like, it was like, like good and bad in a way because I felt like for the first time ever, I was actually like living in the moment versus a lot of times at races, you're just like, lying in bed after the race, like scrolling through like what happened earlier that day um, versus this, I was kind of just like enjoying the the culture and the food and the people and um, yeah, and the place. Um, so that was like good. And but at the same time, I felt like I was missing out a little bit on, you know, what people were talking about and um, all the interviews and stuff. And that's, that's kind of how we celebrate. Right. It, it, and in these other races, it can be a little overwhelming. And I'm sure you felt this with your success this season is just like almost being glued to like talking to people on social media and just like what, what other, what new notification pops up, what something else might've posted about you. And because you're getting a lot of that attention because you're doing so well and like, you're getting these really cool photos and these really cool videos and like, they're probably a lot of them pop up. But, uh, so I feel like it can be a little overwhelming in those race in those oh. days, but this was, this was the last race. <laughs> this is like the ultimate celebration point. And it was, yeah. it should be like that all, every other race. So you, you flipped it. Now we know for next year <laughs> to flip it the yeah. other direction. Um, so when you got in, you actually got in a couple of days earlier, right? What then, then maybe the majority of some of the other United States, uh, racers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got in. I want to say it was like, I don't remember if it was like the middle of the night Tuesday or the middle of the night Wednesday. I'm not sure, but it's like all kind of mixed together. Um, But yeah, I'm glad. I'm very glad I did that, even though there's, I mean, I definitely didn't adjust whatsoever to the time. Um, It was just good to like kind of have a day of like, flushing out like my legs were all puffy after the um after the long flight and just kind of didn't feel like felt kind of icky um my shakeout jogs felt like crap um and all that and also just like I don't know why but for some reason I wasn't anticipating how like humid hot and humid it would actually be there Hmm. like getting out um and like walking around the city in the middle of the day was pretty like shocking um it just like kind of hit you and i don't know it it was like pretty intense so just like having a little bit of time to adjust to that um it actually wasn't as bad in the desert it was a lot drier um maybe a little bit hotter but like the humidity wasn't nearly as bad um but Mm. yeah just having like a, a couple hours to adjust um and kind of like, you know, go to the store, get some food, like have be prepared for, you know, whatever we were going to be dealt with at the venue. Um, I was definitely grateful for that. Yeah, that seemed like the move. Um, like talking to Mark and Logan, Logan got in a day before Mark. Mark got in the day before the race. Like barely, and he yeah. said the same thing about his legs that he was all blown up, and and like Logan didn't really seem to have a good time adjusting to the sleep. But I'm sure your sleep wasn't great either. Like, or and how did you have a strategy since you are pretty versed in terms of travel? And did you yeah. go into it being like, when I get there, this is what I know, or 
how to approach things like sleep. Like, did you stay up? Did you go to bed right away? Did you try to stay on the same cycle? Like, what did you do? Yeah, it, it was kind of a mess actually, because, um, I got in and like, I don't remember. It was like probably midnight, um, that I flew in and then had to like figure out how to get to the hotel and I wasn't like super organized. So I was kind of like scrambling. Um, and then the next day I just, I'd let myself sleep in the middle of the day just cause I was so tired. Um, and like I said, like you go outside and it's kind of hot and miserable. So the time to be outside is more like late afternoon or even evening anyway. Mm-hmm. So I figured I'm not going to adjust in like a day um, or two, even like two, three, four days. Like you're not really going to adjust. So um, I think it's more important to just like let yourself rest and recover from such a long flight than it is to try and like force yourself to stay up um, and like try and adjust to the time change. And I think going into this trip, just in general, I didn't have super high expectations on like how I would feel or what, Spartan would have in store for us in the middle of the desert. So like, I kind of just went in with an open mind and was like, whatever it is, it is. And like, if I don't sleep for three days, I can't expect um, to feel amazing. So Mm -hmm. I'm just going to like do what I can do what I can like control what I can control. And the rest is just whatever. (laughs) Which is appropriate, right? Because I'm sure it'd be real easy to start to worry about how this travel is going to affect your energy or your sleep or all these other things that are outside of anything that you can control um, instead of getting wrapped up in that. So with the sleep thing, like when you think about it practically, it feels like it would just be like, all right, rest, just like you're here to perform like a physical activity, like rest is going to mean the most. When would it be appropriate to, to like adjust your sleep? to the actual time and the like sun patterns like is that just if you're going to be there for leisure or would it help you perform better if you adjusted within maybe like i don't know five days or you know what i mean like when why would you do the opposite of what you did yeah i guess maybe had i gotten there like even earlier like ryan and Lindsay got there significantly earlier even than me um and they seemed a lot more relaxed and like just you know back on their normal routine than the rest of us um so that definitely was played to their advantage but i i do know that like just talking to them they were still not on the right time zone like uh it was funny i was i was telling um I don't know, a group of people at the venue, how I kept waking up at three in the morning, like starving. Like I just felt Mm -hmm. like it was dinner time. Um, And so I'd get up and like eat like honey stinger protein bars and like peanut butter sandwiches. Cause I was just like up and like starving um, at like two, three in the morning. And Ryan said that he was doing the exact same thing. Like even the night before the race. Mm. So like, even though they had been there a week, they weren't really adjusted to the time zone. They were just more in their like routine. Um, so. Yeah. seems like you'd have to be there for weeks. Yeah. I, I think I finally adjusted like on week two of my trip. It was, right. it was not. And that partially I think was the extreme time change. And part of that was just like the complete 
shit show that was the desert camping and just like having multiple nights of zero sleep and like that just put me back even more so i think had that not been such a mess i probably would have adjusted pretty quickly but like <laughs> your body probably had no idea no yeah. idea what you, where you were what to do it's like when to tell you to sleep when to tell you to eat <laughs> you yeah. just got on your own you're like starting from scratch yeah, exactly. What do you think you would have done different in those days leading up? Like in an ideal world, would you have gotten there like a month early? Like if like anything, all like anything you can conceive of, nothing's off the table. Like what would be the ideal scenario for the travel to get there? I mean, yeah, I guess the earlier, the better. Like if you're really going to put everything, like all your cards on this, I would say, and and I guess a good example would be like um, Alyssa and Sergey like, mm -hmm. live there. So look how well they did in the race. And I mean, I don't think it's coincidence that it's like they had minimal travel. They're used to the the food, the culture, the um, they're not like stressed, like about, you know, where like about the rental car. Like there's like so many things going on that like when you're traveling across the world, you have to worry about like the COVID tests alone were in my opinion, the most stressful in like the days leading up to the trip. Like I was just like having nightmares for like the week mm. before that I wouldn't get my COVID test in time to like even get on my flight. So. And that like, happened, right? Like that wasn't unwarranted. Exactly. Like that's what happened to Woods. He couldn't come. And I actually, that's that exact same thing would have happened to me had I not um, gotten a backup test. So like I got two tests the day before. Um, and this was last minute. I decided to do that um, because I just, I was so nervous. Um, and I like talked to the, to the pharmacist at CVS, I was like, Hey, like, this is like the day before Thanksgiving or like, I don't know. It was right around Thanksgiving, maybe a few days after Thanksgiving, a lot of like people were traveling that weekend. So, um, I said, like, do you think this is going to be like viable, like to get this test back for my flight? And she was like, well, we've been having, um, typical turnaround is like, I think it was like a day and a half or something and we had 48 hours. So I was like, Oh, this is really pushing it close. Like, I don't know. So I scheduled another one down the street um, just at the very last minute. And that test, that second test I got came back within like 12 hours. Oh, wow. Um, so that was awesome. My, my CVS test took like two and a half days. So like huh. I would have, I would have missed my flight had I relied on that test. And it had to be within a certain window, right? You couldn't take it on a Monday for your flight that's Friday, right? It no, no, it had to be within 48 hours, so. And is that just, like, the system that we have here that's a problem? Like, when you were in the UAE, was there, is theirs just better? Yeah, in the UAE, you get your test. Um, the longest result I got in the UAE was, like, I think eight hours. Um, but oh, most of them we got result. within, like, four hours. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. Well, that's smart. That's smart thinking on your end to have that backup. I don't. I wouldn't have done that. I'd be like, it'll be fine. They'll do their jobs. It'll be great. But then, yeah, and you end up like Woods. I think something like that happened to Logan too, where he had to Logan. make some sort of crazy trip or something. The last he second. like paid a guy to come 
to the airport. <laughs> I was like, good on you. Like, I think I would have just called it at that point. Like, it, low, he's a problem solver. He, yeah. He's going to make it happen. Yeah. So then getting, so you stayed whenever you got there, Wednesday, Tuesday, Wednesday night, whatever, whatever. So you're there in the actual city part for a couple of nights, right? Did yeah. you go right out to the venue when on like the first shuttle that brought people out there on like the first wave of shuttles? Or no, was there only I, one shuttle? I rented a car. I was not uh, trusting that shuttle. <laughs> smart. Um, yeah, I got a car and then um, me and Emma went. So I waited for Emma to get there. She she got in like, I don't know, I think like the middle of the night on Wednesday. Um, and so... We left, I don't know, mid-morning Thursday, I think. And it was like a three and a half hour drive, I think. So Okay. And then so you had the night of the the dune buggies, of course. You stayed and, and, and got all that. Yeah. <laughs> what was that like for you? Uh, awful. <laughs> <laughs> this is how it went. Like we Actually, we're like pretty good about getting in bed pretty early that night. We were we were just tired. Um, it was a long drive and like a long day and really hot. Um, so as soon as like it started cooling off, we were in bed and um, the dune buggies like they had there were you could hear them, but it really wasn't like obnoxious yet. Um, and then come like. 10, 11 p.m. I think was when it really started like getting pretty loud. And um, I maybe had like sort of fallen asleep by that point. Um, and then as soon as it started up, I was like, you know, jostled awake. And then, and then for the rest of the night, it was like, I would start to drift to sleep. And then like one would come like, zooming by our tent and i was just like wake up like like fully out of my bed like what is going on because a lot of times so we our tent was in the back row um there was like a big fence uh between basically our camp and then the dune and hmm. so emma and i's tent was like right on that fence and there was like a little bit of like an access road that went along the fence so a lot of the dune buddies would come through that that access road to get up the dune. Um, and they were just like, it felt like they were like bumping into us. Like our, the side, the back wall of our tent was Flapping. like, flapping. yeah, it was, it was like <laughs> the craziest night. Um, ever, yeah. Did anyone from any of the tents like go out and try to confront them? Were people going out like yelling at them at all? Or was it just like, all right, we That's don't know what's going on. Out there. Was everyone just kind of like, it had to be a little bit scary, right? Like, see, it was terrifying. Yeah, because like, I mean, there were times when like I would hear what what sounded like guns, gunshots. Like, um, I don't know if they were fireworks or it was like what was making this noise, but it was loud and like it, it like definitely if you were sleeping, like it would like jolt you awake. Um, yeah. Yeah. So you're not. No one's gonna go out there and. No, we're not messing with these guys. (laughs) Absolutely not. Yeah, and that's just—it's just unfortunate that it went down that way, and that was. But everybody was in that same boat, but it didn't sound like it was a a fun experience for anyone in the venue. It didn't seem like anyone was able to 
really avoid that if they stayed at the venue at all. Would you have would you have driven out the that day, Friday like morning or something? If 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 like this is almost unforeseen, right? Like I guess <laughs> I, I'm not. I'm not shocked that something like this <laughs> slipped by Spartan or, or whatever, but it's, it's, it's not like you could foresee something like this happening, but if there was an inkling of something like that happening, would you have even risked it, risked it and just stayed or, or would, would a three and a half hour drive the day of the race been worse or better? Uh, I don't know. I mean, yeah, like there's no way we could have foreseen what that was going to be like. Even when when we got to the venue, um, one of the staff, as we were checking in, like kind of warned us. She was like, listen, it's the it's the 50th, like celebration, whatever. There's going to be dune buggies in the night. Like just prepare for that. And if you have your earplugs, put them in. Um, and I was like, oh, like, yeah, I mean, They'll probably be yeah. really far from here. Yeah. <laughs> you like, hear them in the distance. The desert before and you like hear like the four wheelers going by. Like, I don't know. That's what I was picturing in my head. And then like, it was just like a billion times crazier than that. So <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like, I mean, I mean, looking back on it and like, if, if this event was, let's say going to happen again next year, you know, on the same weekend and in the same campground, like, yeah, I, pr- I probably figure out my own lodging, <laughs> but like, I, I mean, looking back, like there's no way we would have known. No, no, that's like the, the whole, the 50th and everything. I don't know if this is a big celebration every year. It might be, or if it's just like the milestone years, but. Yeah. I'm not sure either. If it's just like, because it was the 50th. I'm sure it was just like a bigger, bigger Maybe. deal because it was the 50th, but yeah. <sighs> well, you made it, you made it to the race. And <laughs> so let's, let's talk, let's talk about the race. Then we were just talking before we popped on that. The, we both actually just watched YouTube coverage. I just caught it today as well. So, um, and it's pretty, it was pretty good. I mean, the shots were amazing. The drones, yeah, they were beautiful. Some of the ones they, when they panned out, there was a couple of Lindsay with like when the sun was like coming down that were like yeah. at like eye level of her, just bad. They were just amazing. Probably the most beautiful scenery that I've seen in this type of production, and probably just a byproduct of these crazy, the crazy dunes. But there was definitely some holes in terms of like the race stories, in particular on your end. So I'm excited to kind of like hear more about like your race and early on it was it seemed like you were assertive in this pack uh miriam was pretty aggressive more than i thought that she would be i mean i haven't we haven't had a good chance to really see which how she races i mean she raced in jacksonville is the only time that you got a real chance to to race her since like tahoe of 2019 even then like you racing in that race you probably weren't racing her right in 2019 this this race it was like okay like there might be some people that when you see them go, like, you know who the, some of the players are, but she was pretty aggressive. So when she went, what were, were you thinking just run your own race, run your pace? Cause it seemed like you kind of pulled away from the pack a little bit as well. And then everybody kind of, uh, kind of came together and then they kind of pulled away from you. So what, what were you thinking right from the jump? Yeah. Um, so I found out after the race that Miriam has raced there before. I think she might be the only 
person in the entire field. At that venue? Race at that venue. Yeah. Hmm. Um, so I didn't know that beforehand, but like that was interesting to find out later. Um, but yeah, so when we went out, um, I think, I think because it's like the terrain in the first like mile or so felt to me pretty runnable. Like it felt fast. Um, just knowing, like I had been there for, you know, a whole day at that point and had run like up a few of the smaller dunes and just like get a feel of what it'd be like. And they are not like what I would call runnable. Like, I mean, you can kind of run up them, but like you're not moving at any significant pace whatsoever. So um, in that first section, I was like, this might be like the best, the best running we get the whole race. Like I wasn't really sure. So Hmm. I definitely wanted to like take advantage of any like flatter sections we got. Um, But at the same time, Miriam was going out like blazing hot and that did not seem smart to me. So (laughs) um, I was kind of just like doing my own thing and getting a little bit out in front um, just to like try and like, you know, set my own pace but um but then I settled settled in pretty quick I mean it wasn't long before we started hitting like the the steeper uphills Mm -hmm. yeah Miriam that would have been like going out hot for like a road half marathon yeah (laughs) she was gone it was almost like when she went out was like when the first time Spartan racers run a race and go out really hard and then like getting gobbled up that's what it looked like and I was like oh it's Miriam and that's not something that was out of character on your end, right? Like in the, in the last probably three or four races, you had, you'd assert yourself pretty early. Be like, this is how I want to run right now. And then I'll, whatever pace I settle into is the pace that, that I'll be. So when that pack. I find myself not like, I don't know when I'm in the pack, I tend to like tense up a little more. And I, I hmm. realized that more in this race where like that first few miles, um, like the parts where I was still in the pack, I felt a little bit trapped, like, especially on that terrain when you're like quick, when you're um, like kind of like boxed in like that and you're following someone closely in front of you in the sand, um, especially, I don't know. I found that like, I liked it a lot better when I could see like, you know, more like 10, 20 feet ahead and like, Mm kind of like plan my line accordingly versus like having to, like, if I'm behind Alyssa and she's, you know, going up the side and I'm following in her footsteps, like whatever decisions she's making, I kind of have to follow suit and her gait's different than mine. And like, it's kind of awkward to like try and match like someone in front of you's footsteps um, versus like, when I made the decision to kind of pull back a little bit, um, I felt a lot more calm and like I could choose my own line and like play to my, what I thought like was the best strategy. Hmm. So interesting. Yeah. That, that seems like that there would be two methods, right? Someone who'd want to be right on someone to follow exactly where the sand had been broken just immediately. Mm-hmm. But I, I could also see how that would be almost too like, too intensive in terms of like, like, uh, like this immediate external stimulus that you have to be concentrated on as opposed to how you're, you're actually feeling and the the race that you want to run if you're trying to follow somebody so close. So that's actually pretty, a pretty good call 
that happened pretty early, right? Because that pack did kind of establish itself once it was Lindsay, uh, Alyssa, and Emma. They ended up kind of catching up to Miriam, and, and it was a good group of four for a while. And then you were just a little bit back. So, did you feel like you did make a, a decision to let them go and yeah. to create your, create your own space for that reason? Just to be like, this is too this is too chaotic right now, and it's too early to feel this chaotic. Like, I need to be in control. Yeah, it was a it was a multiple like reasoning thing. Like I I got really hot. Like I was um hmm. uncomfortably hot. Like my I remember almost like feeling a little bit freaked out because um I I tend to like do pretty well in the heat actually, but I felt like my feet were um like I was getting bad hot spots like really early in the race. Like only a couple miles in. Um, and I just felt like my body temperature was like escalating faster than it should have been. Um, and so like that was actually another benefit of being, being out there a couple days prior to the race. I knew how quickly the temperature dips. Um, once it's like, I don't know, maybe four, four thirty PM, like, uh, and the sun is like just a little bit lower, it's Mm. significantly cooler when it's not beating down on you. So I knew that it'd be a long race. I thought, I thought we would be out there at least three hours actually. So that's what I was planning for. Um, And so I thought like, all right, it's better to conserve a little bit now when it's super hot and not try and like stick with the pack and maybe blow up later. Like I'd rather just have, you know, a little bit more stored energy for the second half um, when it's cooler and like I'm going to want to move than like right now when my body's telling me this is too, too, too much. Like I'm, wor- I'm working too, too hard for like this early in the race. Yeah, that's, that's really smart because I would have thought the same that the the distance, the, the, the duration would have been close to that. It wasn't right. What was your total time? My time was like two forty one something. Oh, okay, so. I thought it, yeah. It so I guess close, so pretty close. So it wasn't like it was a drastic overestimate of like how long you'd be out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so that I mean, it ended up working out in your favor that way. But still, in a championship race, you were in fifth, even into like the carries and things like that. And I know you said in some interviews before. Um, I saw you got an interview by Morning Chalk Up. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Cool, they're out there. That they're huge. Oh, really? They have a, they have a massive following. It's like it's all it's pretty much CrossFit, right? So they, yeah, the people in the newsletter or whoever saw it, probably like I don't know what this is, but it's still a really big reach. That that thing. they're they're a really big media player in the CrossFit space. Um, yeah, it's kind of cool. They um the guy uh, I'm blanking on his name now, but he is like in in the UAE all the time because. Uh, CrossFit there like they just had this past weekend they just had a competition in yeah uh, so they like they actually invited me to come to that um that thing in Dubai but I I don't know we were just like so busy I don't even think I was in Dubai on the days they were there but uh just to hang out or to like yeah just to see it I think it would have been cool but it would have been cool just too busy yeah, they I were, also just wanted to see what this friggin' indoor mountain was like. Yeah, it was snowy. <laughs> they had a snow yeah, run. So I'm like, what? I saw someone's post and they're running in snow. I was like, wait, where is this? Um, 
anyway, but in these interviews, you were kind of saying like, don't panic, don't get the, it's early, uh, which is a very disciplined way to think. And a lot of times in these championship races, it's, it can be these moments that you can decide to stick with your game plan or to let things just kind of go out the window and do things that might be out of character just to see where, where doing things that you're not going to regret. Right. And just be like, Hey, this is it. This is, a, this is a place where I, I might want to just let it all hang out there. If I, if I blow up, I blow up. But, but you had the discipline to stay within that moment and be like, don't panic. So was there ever a moment like even in the carries or, or was it always still, Cause you were almost in no man's land for a while. Yeah. Oh yeah. And so when did, when did that thought of don't panic turn into, okay, let's start to kind of move on this or did it kind of naturally happen uh, as you just kind of ex executed your own race plan? Yeah, I would say this race played out like, I don't know. A lot of it was smart tactics on my part and then I would say the other half was like just luck like I you know got I was coming into the festival and could hear that people were missing their spears I didn't realize it was all of them but like, everybody <laughs> their spear and I was like all right that's like a spot I could maybe I could maybe grab so it definitely like lit a fire like when I heard that and just like you know, gave me a little bit of a nudge to, you know, push on that next part. Um, so I would say, I don't know, there was like, there were parts when I was in no man's land where it was definitely like, I would have to keep really keep like telling myself, stay engaged, stay engaged, because I would look behind me ever so often and like not see anyone and then like the gap, I could still see the, the pack ahead of me, like pretty much the whole time, but it definitely was growing. And like, that can be disconcerting for sure. Mm -hmm. So like, um, I just had, I, I just had to keep telling like over and over. It was like, stay engaged, don't freak out, keep hydrating. And like your time's going to come. So like, luckily that it just worked out. Like, it, it could have not, like it could have gone, it could have backfired for sure, but like it didn't. So. I yeah. I mean, of course. And it like, but, and you said like it's luck and people missing their spear. And I guess that's a little bit lucky, but it's also a skill. You practice that like crazy, right? You, you <laughs> worked really like hard. Skill, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely it was lucky that it worked out for me. Like versus like, I mean, I don't know. I could have like, it could have gone many different ways. Like the other girls could have all made their sphere. And then I could have felt like less, you know, like I could have just like kind of settled with fifth place and mm -hmm. like easily just kept that same rhythm the entire race. And like probably could have just ended up where I had been the entire race, but having that happen definitely was encouraging for me to just like lay on the gas early in the second half of the of the race and then like kind of gap other people so for sure like say that and like if that's the case right and you everybody makes their spear and you still run your same race you let everything out you, you probably end up third right if Alyssa doesn't blow up like emma yeah. misses the thing you get third and it's still a great race but they everybody missed 
and you were able to kind of really find yourself in this race then to, to then to be really engaged, but you caught Miriam before that, right? Where did you, where did you catch her? I didn't. Yeah. Um, I actually didn't realize I had caught her because she, I think she had missed a different obstacle or something. And like, I just didn't, I didn't even see her. Um, Oh, so you thought you were in fifth still? Yeah. It wasn't until I was at the spear and then I saw Miriam coming. I forget. I think it was the rope climb right Mm -hmm. before the spear. I saw Miriam coming into the rope climb and I was like, Oh, how did that happen? Like at this point I thought Miriam was still in first. So like Mm. to see her, I was a little bit confused, but I just, you know, you'd have to just accept that and like move on. Like you can't like try and, mess with like what's what's happening with other people you have to just play your own game and um. yeah well it was exciting you hit the spear because that was in the beginning of the year it was like all right let's talk about the spear yeah. you missed it again and now it's like it like saved the race it made the race you know yeah i was kind of nervous about it because the the spears were harder like it was um a smaller target seemed like, I don't know. It, was, it wasn't like too far away, but like, I don't know, just looking at it, I was like, oh, this doesn't seem like, I don't know. It just made me nervous looking at it because it was right in the festival too. So the whole mm-hmm. day before I was like looking at it and like, <laughs> I don't know, it always stresses me out. But. It was like the only thing that the spectators could see in the entire race. Yeah, know? exactly. But we did get to see that when we were catching a little bit of the coverage live, like someone had gone live and that was something we did get to see, which was actually kind of fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Cause the, the targets were blocks, right? Not, not vertical rectangles. Yeah. They were probably like a couple feet shorter than yeah. what we're mm-hmm. used to, um, but the same width. So like you're losing a lot of real estate there. Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Lindsay missed hers, but she got up and she was out of the burpee pit even before you had thrown your spear um yeah. and and emma and Alyssa missing hers that kind of let Lindsay that back half what is it, like last like four miles or so four and a half miles mm-hmm. she's kind of solo but then emma and Alyssa they weren't too far behind you going up that second that massive climb coming out of the uh spear yeah we were all together at that point Okay, yeah. they did. They okay, because I didn't. I wasn't sure if you did have a bit of a, or if they caught you, or if they just got up and they were with you going up that massive climb. Um, how'd you handle those climbs? Not well. <laughs> <laughs> I really was very frustrated and struggling hard on those. Like that was my least favorite part of the race with the two super steep, like crawling death crawls. I call them because, like, it just. I don't know what like what the tactic is, but I swear Alyssa was like flying up it like at warp speed compared to me. Like I I was like, I'm doing the exact same thing as her. And somehow (laughs) she's like moving way faster. I was like getting so annoyed and frustrated. Um, And yeah, I felt like every time I would take a step, I just would fall back the exact same amount that I just went up. Like the cliff climb or whatever they were calling it. Yeah, that looked crazy, and that that, that was, was something. Yeah, that was something we didn't get a, a chance to really get a look at until the footage. You know, it was on the map as you know, cliff climb or whatever. I was like, I don't know what this is, and but that was insane. What do you think that grade was like? Oh, 40, I don't know. Forty-five, like 
Uh, yeah, I would say 45, 50, like something ridiculous. Um, yeah. And like, it didn't, it also didn't feel great on my foot, which was like another thing. Um, and then my, I think it was like towards the top of that cliff, cliff climb thing that I could feel my hamstrings going. I was like, oh my God, I'm going to cramp. I'm going to cramp. And I was like trying to like do anything I could to like take, take some of the stress off my hamstrings and that was slowing me down. Um, so it's more just about like getting up it without doing too much damage. Um, Cause none of us were moving fast. It was just like, you know, mm -hmm. yeah, it's probably just staring at that rope. Like, can yeah. I please get to that rope? Yeah. But exactly. they, it looked like Emma and Alyssa both, Alyssa probably practiced, huh? She probably went out to some dunes and was, while well, she was out there. Maybe. I don't know. Have, she have was like a ninja up those things. <laughs> I don't get it. <laughs> uh, but they both uh, put a little bit of ground on you there. Yeah. Right. Um, but at this point, or, or what was before? There was a, whoa, there was some obstacle that they were, Oh, it was, it was Tyro. That might've been before a cliff climb, right? Yeah. Yeah. Tyro was like where they, so I had gapped them mm -hmm. um, on like the running part and like between the top of the first massive climb and then Tyro. I don't think there were any obstacles. Um, it was just a lot of like dune running and I was feeling great. Like I'd had some nutrition at that point um, and was just feeling like, reinvigorated because it was it was definitely cooling off at that point um so i had put i had put a gap on them and like and then they caught me at tyro because i was like super slow on that and then and then we were all kind of together through the top of the second climb that big but climb. at at tyro yeah they may have gotten the bell first but you you could tell that you were very much engaged in the race because you surged back to get into the front mm -hmm. i was like okay great it wasn't like it wasn't that they missed their spear and their fitness is, was superior to yours. And once they caught you, they were just going to lengthen. Once they, once you guys were all together, it was, it was clear that you were there to race and you had kind of put yeah. yourself in front of them. <laughs> yeah. That's, and it was, that was, that was cool to see. And then the cliff climb happened. Um, and then did everything kind of bunch back up when you got to the top? Yeah, we got to the top and then, I don't know. I think they were ahead of me for an, another few minutes and I eventually caught them. And then we were kind of just like all, we were, I wouldn't say we were in a pack, but we were all running like fairly close to each other and would each of us would kind of take the lead at different parts. And then um, it started getting pretty dark. And that's when I want to say it was around like stairway where I was debating, should I get my headlamp out? It's like pretty dark. I'm like kind of struggling to see the the uh, course markings. Um, and I thought I thought we were way closer to the top of the dune than we were at that point. And I was like, oh, it's probably only a few more minutes to the top. <laughs> <laughs> and at this point, I was passing like I think I passed like Ian and some of the other guys. Um, I was like, do you think we're pretty close to the top of this thing? They were like, yeah, yeah, it's right up there. And so um, I was feeling pretty good and also a little bit antsy to just be done. And so I was working pretty hard up that climb. And I don't think I realized 
that I had like made a, a, a decent gap. Um, it was so dark that like, even if you looked back, you couldn't see it. Like unless someone had a light on, you couldn't see them. So, um, so you just it, outran them. I outran them. And I think that the dark like played to my advantage. Cause I was like, kind of like sneaky. Up there. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have a light so no one could see where I was. <laughs> that that because that's what I was interested. That's what I didn't know because there wasn't much coverage in the back part of because that looked like a really big climb. It was a really long climb. On the map, it looked massive. Like when you looked at the elevation profile on the map, I was looking, I was like, I can't believe they're doing this climb right at the end of this race. Like this is insane. So, but you ended up kind of getting did you was it on the climb that you gapped them or is it you said it was um, long so it, was, it may have been i think i gapped them on like the flatter part like towards the bottom of the climb and then and then i must have just kept that going up the dune um but i'm not really sure to be honest because uh i want to say it was like when i got to the sandbag or no it was like during the during the sandbag so i had that's another thing I'd wasted a ton of time at the second sandbag carry because of lack of like language barrier issues. Um, And so it was like during the middle of the sandbag carry that I finally, I think I heard Emma like talking to someone and I was like, Oh, Oh, she's close. Um, And she's always talking. Right. So yeah, it probably was her. like 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 cheering people on and stuff so yeah I think I heard her I don't know if she was just like grabbing her bag and I was like already at the top of the sandbag so it could have still been a decent gap but like the fact that I could hear her made me think okay she could be really close like I need to like give it up everything I've got at this point because we're almost so done with the race um yeah then that's that's amazing like because just the way like that your your fitness has come along since even the beginning of the year where uh jacksonville is such a short race and it was so early but like um like miriam's fitness is great right and like you basically kind of ran away from her and it wasn't and like then once you passed her it wasn't really even a race anymore but then to kind of run away from emma the way that she sort of ran away from you at tahoe Mm -hmm. uh, in those late stages that's like really awesome that must, what did that feel like? Because there was a little bit of, it seems like that was almost redemptive that you had a chance to um, knock off the, those two athletes in particular who, who had beaten you earlier in the season and Emma, who, who just uh, more recently, but to uh, really leave no doubt, you know, there was no, and like the way that you did it too, it, it, it even rings true to that. Like you ran a clean race and that's the deal with obstacle course racing, but that it was a lot of fitness at the end. And it seems like that you just left no doubt about who was a stronger athlete that day. Yeah. I mean, I think, I don't know. I'm sure a lot of it was like the burpees probably were really taxing. Um, Like Emma's like one of the strongest people for sure in that field. And like, I had no doubt that like she'd be with me, like pushing me to the end, like if I could even keep up with her. So, um, and I, I've never raced Alyssa, so I wasn't sure how her, like the last, you know, the end of her race would play out, but 
I had been following her a lot of the race and like, she seemed really strong, especially on any steep, steep climbs. So, um, I think I knew I had to like, I had, I don't know, like this was world championship race. Like if, if I was going to leave it all out at any course, like this had to be the one. So, um, I think I'm glad that I, that I like played my cards the way I did because I think, I think had I even pushed it even slightly harder in the beginning, like those hamstring like twinges towards the end of the race would have been like detrimental. So, mm-hmm. and I think a lot of the, a lot of the early part of my race, I had like Utah, like running through my head and like, I cannot let that happen. So um, I think, I think it's, it's, it's like a big thing to not, to be, have the confidence to kind of lay back early and um, push harder, like when it counts, it can be, I mean, it doesn't always work, but like sometimes it does and sometimes it can cause like great things. So. Yeah. And then like in terms of what that means for the future and your ability to kind of create race plans, it opens up some, some different options, right. To be more versatile in, in the style of racing as opposed to just going out and, sticking around and the seeing what happens like you ran your your race like through and through it seems like on that race and it ended up with as good of a result that we could have hoped for yeah on on that day so that's awesome that's that's just like experience as a racer now it's like learning more tactics which is really cool thank you really cool uh and the finish the finishing gauntlet was there any doubt on the twister in the middle no, that was my favorite obstacle. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it seemed it seemed it seemed like that was no problem for you. Um, but the best part of the race, hands down, was going down the dune. Like it was so epic, and I'm so sad that there's no video of it. <laughs> it was no. just like I felt so free. Like I was just like flying down the dune. <laughs> it's like the one time you can totally send it and like the worst thing that happens is you like face plant in the sand and then roll down a sand dune. Like, so I don't know. I was like, just guns blazing. Down. <laughs> it was really awesome. How long did it take? I mean, this is interesting because a lot of like uh, a race like Tahoe or big bear or something like the descents really do play a huge factor in the end result. Didn't seem like that was the case here. And we were looking at it. We we're trying to figure out like where things were going to matter. And it's like, this descent might take, 10 seconds like how long did it take to get down uh i think it was longer than that but definitely not more than a minute like somewhere yeah. in the middle uh i think it, it could have had it been like really close and when i got to the top of the dune so like the sandbag carry was pretty close to the top um and knowing emma was like somewhere close to me on that um i was running scared for sure so like I got to the top of the dune, like didn't even look back. I was just like, I got to go. Like, I'm not looking back the rest of the, this race. I'm bombing down this thing and then just like flying through the obstacles and hoping that no one catches me. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I think had it been, had she been like on my heels, the descent probably would have mattered. But like, if you have a little bit of a gap, I don't think it does. Right. 
Right. Like, cause it's, there's not really a skill component the way that it would be in other races. It's just going, if you can go and you could just trust to go. Cause that would have been fun. Yeah. Cause we didn't get to see that. I think we did see on someone's live stream because it's like, <laughs> there was no way to tell where the line where the course we were was. so off course. Like, <laughs> yeah, everybody. I was. felt like I was like a quarter mile off course. <laughs> yeah. I knew that happened. And then like it happened to Emma and it happened. I think Albin happened. It happened to everybody that is just like flying down this hill. It's like, oh, wait, you got to be over here. And on the, this was something that Mark and Logan were saying. And on the live stream, you could actually see that this was something that happened on the course, like how it was kind of mapped. There'd be those like, two flags that would kind of direct you on where to go. Like you have to stay within the, the little flags in the ground. And like, sometimes they would like curve. And there was a point where Alyssa ran straight and Emma like kind of went around this curve and you followed her that way. And like Mark was saying that that happened in, in their race as well. And I thought it was going to be like this, something that was egregious, but like watching it on live stream was like, Oh, that does look a little confusing. Like I could see how you could miss a turn in the sand and just be like, there's the flag. Here are flags, there are flags. That's where I have to go. Was it hard to follow where the course was going in the race or was it pretty? Was It it, was because you're so, so focused Um, when you're running in the sand. Like it's, it's just as mentally exhausting as it is physically because you're like so focused on your footing um, and like choosing a line and like, all right, am I going to use these footsteps or am I going to like go on the side of this ridge where it's, it seems more compact or am I going to like choose the most direct route or like, it's just so much of that, that like, um, and, and I would say that the, the, uh, whatever you call them, the poles were like further away than they should have been like the, the distance between each of them, like, because when you're in the open desert like that, um, like it can, if you're like looking like up at the horizon and you see like the markings going, like you can see like where the course is headed, but sometimes like they would put, they would put the flags in like in a way that didn't seem super logical. Like it would like go around a dune and then up it like on a weird angle instead of just like following the ridge, which is like what you think you would do. That's almost what it looked like happened to Alyssa. Like it was just like a turn for the sake of having a turn. Yeah. Yeah, I actually didn't really like like leading the group because um, I felt like it was more like just more that you had to think about. Like, okay, am I going this way, this way? Um, And then like you would see footsteps like going in all different directions because like clearly the men weren't like sure where they were going either. And so you can't just follow the footsteps because you could easily get led off course, which happened a lot, a lot, a Mm -hmm. lot. So. Mm Yeah. Yeah. I wonder why they did flags instead of like the actual streamer. I guess it's just easier to stick flags. So they, they marked the course like hours before the start. Um, like we saw them marking the that like descent or the um yeah, this the first descent coming down like into where the spear throw is. Like an hour before the start. <laughs> uh, I think it's because because of the dune bashers oh like, yeah they didn't know what yeah i guess that's true i guess that's true that was a, probably a long day for that squad yeah out there oh, man. yeah and then I have to pick them all up imagine. um 
Yeah, so it it seemed like a really cool thing, and it seemed like a really cool award ceremony too. Is like under the lights. It seemed like it was like a whole thing on on the big stage, which is really cool. Have you uh, had much of a chance to reflect on the season? Like, because it was a long season, and by, even by the I don't know what what race it was. Maybe it was even um, Utah right after Utah. Well, Utah there was there was always seemed like you were almost hurt. <laughs> like, oh like there's always like something where I was like, this would be great to have a break. And it seemed like that since March. Yeah. So, I would say that's the theme of the season. I was like, just injured enough to be like, not like running. Didn't feel great pretty much like the whole second half of the year. Um, but it was like, I was not injured enough that I needed to just like call it. Like it was like really like skirting the like edge of, you -hmm. know, do I Mm -hmm. take time off and like try and heal whatever this thing is going on? Or do I just like push through and thank God, like, I don't know, somehow my body just held it together. Um, I would say like the low point was right after Tahoe, like, Mm -hmm. The days between, I, I should not have raced Broken Arrow. Like, as much as I enjoyed it and whatever, it was, like, probably the silliest thing I could have done, like, running down that freaking mountain again. Like, I have never been in so much pain ever. Like Not running. sand. Hard not rock. Not sand, no. <laughs> the hard rock of a mountain. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, that was... But even at that time, though, it was, what was strange about this year, it was hard to know where the end was going to be, right? Because even at that time, yeah. was it sure that that um, Abu Dhabi was even going to be a thing? Totally. Like, yeah. I mean, Tahoe was my A race because I didn't want to make an A race that, like, was maybe not going to happen. Like, right. Like, I, I was not train, training for Abu Dhabi ever this no. year. Um, and even after tahoe and like the big bear race was almost like this kind of weird add-on like the national series was after a championship race and you like racing it was advantageous for you and it went well but it was still like oh is this something that you really have to do like it, it just seemed like man this is non-stop and yeah so i at the moment when you were doing broken arrow it was like okay it's a cool opportunity you're there anyway like yeah, yeah, no problem. But yeah, looking at it now, if you if you backtrack and look at the season, like from the outside, like on paper, I'd be like, I don't understand this race or this race. Like, why did these have to happen when the championship was here? But it was it was it was so uncertain, like that it was going to happen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm really hoping that like we can get some information very soon about <laughs> 2022 because like I just foresee this being the exact same thing over again, and like it's not sustainable. I like, I've already decided that I'm probably going to do, I don't know. I'm going to have to like race less because, um, I just don't think, I I just don't think that like racing that long is good. Like it's, it's really, it's, I don't know. I know a lot of people get through it, but I just don't think I'm one of those athletes who can like race constantly and not get injured. So I don't think many athletes do get through it. Like Lindsay races just U S national series, right? She almost just races championship races. Yeah, that's true. And everyone else from, so from the beginning of the year, like in Jacksonville, say where everybody's like fresh and ready, you finish that race in six, I think fifth or sixth. 
Yeah. With a misspirit during the sprint, whatever it was in like the first race back. But a lot of the athletes who were you with ended up kind of slowly dropping back in the result. You were, you actually ascended. You handled the season better than most of the, of your competitors, I think Mm -hmm. by racing what seemed like a lot, but not a lot from a, from an OCR perspective where a lot of these other athletes were doing their regional races. They were traveling to do races that really didn't matter. And, um, but even still like you raced a lot, like how many races did you end up doing then? Like eight to 10? Um, actually I don't know. I mean, yeah, if I think back on it, like I probably raced half of what, like most of the other, like, top 10 female in the u.s athletes did like so many of them did like a trifecta weekend in montana ohio (laughs) yeah or this and that and like i kept i kept thinking at the time i was like should i be doing that like like oh are they gonna be like more prepared for like tahoe because they've done like more beasts than i have and like looking back on it like there's no way i would have made it to this point had I done even like one more race, I think. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I don't know. I think, I think I actually like planned it pretty well, but I still felt like it was a lot. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. You're you and hanging on by a thread like that, where it's kind of a scary place to be. Cause it's like every race, every quality session, every like easy run, it's like, is this going to be the one that tips me? Am I going to be injured after this hard workout or anything? It's never the confidence to, to train. Well, it's hard to come through when you're feeling like not awesome. Um, but yeah, does it change? Like now looking forward, having this success that you had this year and even racing as much as you did, does it, and and this year, because it was uh, again, like you were finding the success and like, gaining momentum and like cool things were happening. The series kind of started to be like this thing. It's like, okay, I, I can establish myself here. And the more I race, maybe the better experience I can get to do well in these championship races. But now that you have that experience and you know what that ultimately is going to feel like going forward, does that ch- like next year, do you think you would do way less like, or do like, because it all worked out this year, like where would you, what, what's, Bots, could you change next year? You know, that's a, yeah, that's the million dollar question because I keep, I don't know, at some point in the next week or so, I'm gonna just like write down every race that I like would potentially go to if, like, you know, if this wasn't, if it wasn't a concern like about injuries and stuff. And then from there, I'm probably gonna have to cut out like at least half of it because it's not realistic. Um, to do it all but like I don't I don't know because there's part of me that's like I really want to try savage races I really want to like do more trail running I want to like do another sky race Um, but then if you're like committed to doing the Spartan series which is already like racing you know almost like once a month for a good chunk of the year it's like, where do you put it all in? Like, I, yeah. don't, I, 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 I don't know. I really hope that they say that it's like going to be three out of five again or four out of five, even like, cause that, at least at that point you could, you could drop like something. Um, 
and mm-hmm. still be like in the series. But I feel like they're not going to do that. I feel like they're going to say, oh, you know, we're back to pre-COVID like series rules where it's like you have to go to all of them. Um, and, and and now that Savage has their series out, I bet Spartan's <laughs> like, we're going to put all of our races on those days. We're going to change, every, yeah. <laughs> change yeah. every venue so that we can squash this other one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that I thought of you with the Savage series. Oh, it's kind of cool. Cause I would like to see how you would do in a savage even, but the money's that like, it will probably get better competition at those races now, but didn't change any of the payouts. It's still the same payout for each race. Yeah. I, I wouldn't do the series. I don't think, but like, I just want to jump in to like a couple, one or two maybe. And like, I also definitely have my eye on OCRWC, which, um, I, I don't really Tahoe this year, I think. So Tahoe is not on the race calendar. I don't know oh, it's not. Yeah. Interesting. I think hmm. I'm very curious if that's like part of like some negotiation maybe of like being a championship. Maybe they're just like tentative on scheduling it or. Oh, maybe that's I why they're not releasing anything yet. I don't Ooh. think they would wipe it from the calendar, but like, I don't know. Who knows? Oh, but, but it, it, OCRWC is the week before when Tahoe would historically be. is. Yeah. 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 So, and I don't really feel comfortable doing OCRWC without having like done like other obstacle races just because I don't know. I I really, not that I don't think I could do all of those obstacles. I just think I'm going to be at such a disadvantage, like with my lack of experience that like it could be just like frustrating and like not worth it if, you know, I'm like, flying across the country to do that race without like even knowing what I'm getting myself into. Um, Yeah. You have to like stop and look at an obstacle. It's like, how do I do this? Yeah. It wouldn't be, it'd be fun. It's too competitive to to, like have a chance um, uh without having like experience. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's like making sure that there's still fun in these races. That's why I started doing it in the first place, but also the competition piece needs to be a little bit more tactical. So it's not like you can't just do all of the races. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's hard. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I'm like dreading this like race scheduling process because I don't know. It's going to be really hard. Yeah. Yeah, I know. But that's one thing from COVID anyway. It was like nice to not have races just to be like, oh, okay, I don't like, I don't always have to race. Like if I don't race, it actually doesn't really matter that much. Yeah. yeah. More so. time for other fun things too, which like, I feel like I missed out on this year a little bit. Like, mm. I don't know, especially during the last couple of weeks, I realized, Oh, it's really nice to like have a couple of weeks where I can just do some crazy freaking hike. That's going to like destroy <laughs> right. me for the next couple of days and like not worry about it impacting my training. And, um, yeah, like, I, I kind of missed, missed that so because that's that's something that you've done extraordinarily well this year is being committed to to this whole process and you know taking it and not and doing everything that you need to do and you know maybe not doing the things that are tempting to do like you just said where i think a lot of athletes aren't necessarily at that level of commitment people are really willing to work hard but to be committed to one singular goal or task i think i think i think that's what separated you from pretty much everybody else this year is that you were like nope this is what i'm doing 
and then it, and at the end it paid off. Totally. And that's, that was my plan was I was like, I'm going all in on this um, for at least a year or two. And like, I really want to just see like what, it, what I can make of it and then go from there. And, and it paid, like it definitely paid off. It, like it blew my mind how, how quick, like how quickly I progressed in like a short amount of time. Um, mm -hmm. I think, I think I would have had a great year either way, but like, I don't think that like a world championship podium spot ever would have been in my realm of possibility had I not like fully dove in like to this, like, you know, every day, like, like my priority was training. Like mm -hmm. it wasn't anything else really before that. So, um, it's, it's too, to be able to do that. Yeah. And it's, it's too competitive to just stack this on top of the life that you had. Right. Yeah. Or, or whatever it is. Like, it's not, it's not possible. No, like, you I've decided that if you want to race at that level, like there's no way you could, you could possibly do it all. Like, I mean, like I know there's people who have kids and like, jobs and still compete at a high level but like they're not the ones on you know the world championship podium they're like doing amazing for what they're juggling but like i think if you if you want to like be the best in the world you have it has to be your number one thing like so take it or leave it <laughs> right you can't you can't just replace that type of level of commitment with hard work you know yeah. Like you can work hard. And I think that's what a lot of people try to do is like, well, I'll just go as hard as I can when I can. I'll just out, try to outwork people. And it's like, that's not, that's like oh, some of it. It matters a little bit, but being singular, singularly focused on it, which is what you did. <laughs> you, yeah. you really did. You think it's sustainable? Um, I think it's sustainable, like with maybe some, some tweaks and that being like, maybe being a little bit more selective with like races and mm -hmm. um i would also say like i don't know what this would look like but maybe having more of like a like maybe like a dual season where you have like you know like the summer season and then like the championship season and you have like little off seasons in between i'm not really sure what it looks like but i think racing 11 months like consistently, um, is a little bit crazy. So it's crazy. And that's when, uh, when, um, Killian was on the podcast earlier, I, I asked him about that. Cause he had years where he was doing like 30 races or something yeah. like that. And then the year where he won, well, 2019 first half of the year, he just didn't really even train. He went to the races cause I think he was obligated to and got worked and then just focused on one real race. The, the one goal race and brought himself in the form and Cody Moat had done that a year before, uh, in previous years and you know alvin does something like that as well where it's like it just makes sense and even when you look at it in terms of like the regular endurance calendar it's like cross countries in the fall and like outdoor tracks in the spring and the right. winter's just kind of like getting ready and the summer's just getting ready so i think you're right like having those boundaries to say no and like you did you said yes this year <laughs> yeah right <laughs> so it'll be it'll definitely be i think you're right like that it's sustainable on that end if you're if you're willing to make some changes and not do a bazillion races. Yeah. Um he talked about, you know, skipping out on some adventures, but it looked like you had a crazy adventure just now. It was. It was like 
I have, I well, I've had a few trips where like I really pack it in, like do so much in like every single day. But this was like, I feel like I need an off season from the trip. <laughs> <laughs> I really packed it in and um, it was so much fun. Like just the, I don't know, everything exceeded my expectations. Like the, um, just the kind of like wild, like landscapes we saw and the, um, some of the people we met, like the culture there is really interesting. It's like, um, I don't know. I don't think I could live there. It's, um, it's just not as like, like open and inviting as like some other places I've been. Um, so you kind of have to like get used to it. Um, but then eventually like you realize like, you know, what, what people expect and like what the cultural norms are and stuff. And it's, it gets easier, but like, at first it was a little bit frustrating and especially traveling like during this whole pandemic, I've realized I don't really want to go overseas again until stuff calms down just because mm. like, it's such a, ah, it was such a time suck and like it added so much expense that I was just like getting really frustrating towards the end to have to like test every few days and waste the whole day, like trying to find a testing place and oh. Yeah, I mean, there was gonna have to be a point where you'd have to take your first adventure. Yeah, you know? and that yeah. this seems to, this seems to be that. Day. What, what would be an example of the cultural stuff? Because I don't know anything about the culture. Yeah, like, so, actually nothing. Um, so I guess like the most obvious thing, um, which like I think a lot of us knew going in, like going to this country, was just like being like a woman traveling in the UAE is like, like I wouldn't travel there alone ever. Mm -hmm. um, it's like, you're not. So like, I'd be like with, with my boyfriend who like, we, we were just like, we were married while we were there because you can't like be together and not be mm -hmm. married. And so we like wore like wedding rings and stuff because <laughs> like the hotel won't take you in like, you can't like stay at a hotel if you're not like husband and wife. So little test um, run, little trial. That's nice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Very, it was like so interesting. Cause they'd be like, Oh, where did you get married? And, like all this yeah, stuff. A whole story. Like, make up stories. Yeah. The whole thing. So, um, yeah, it was like, like I wasn't like, a, like addressed, like we would be at a place and they would address him. And then I was just like, there like it was yeah. very 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 strange he's probably um, like, i don't really i don't know i don't know the answers to these questions <laughs> yeah and i don't know like i get the feeling that you know if you're a woman living there like it'd be really tough because i don't think like women are definitely not expected to work or even like drive and mm. like you really only see them like you know at the grocery store or you know, walking with their kids, with their kids in the park. And like, I don't know, I just, I'm a very like liberal progressive person. So it's like, it's kind of tough to see that. Um, yeah. And as well traveled as you are, I'm sure you, you can put in perspective and you understand culture, but still. Yeah. still yeah. Tough. I actually, I lived in Istanbul um, in college. So like, I, I knew a little bit what I was what I was getting myself into traveling in the UAE, but like it is 
much, much more conservative there than in Turkey, I thought. Um, hmm. Interesting. Yeah, especially when you're when you leave the city, it's like you are really it's it's very strange because like the cities are so like like I would describe Dubai as like you know a crazy like Vegas mixed with like Disney World. It's mm -hmm. like it's like this whole production. Like everything's over the top, everything's immaculate. It's like lots of people everywhere, so much traffic and like the whole thing. And then you leave and you're in these like small villages where like I would assume I'm in like some developing country because it's like huh. all like dirt roads and um, lots of like low class, like working immigrants, like from India and Pakistan and uh, Oman and stuff who are like, you know, like living a hard, like laborious life, like in the field. And like, you know, it's, it's just so, it's a very interesting place. Like how like the Emirati, the Emirati like status versus like the, um, the rest of the, you know, people living, like there's only a few Emiratis and compared to the whole population. So. Huh. That's interesting. That is even more polarized in terms of like the gap. Yeah. It's there. Huh. But it looks like you went some really cool, like that one hike you went on, like incredible. Yeah. Um, the, yeah, the one that was like with the steps on the amazing. side. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the mountains, the, they're called the Hajar mountains are like super rugged. Like they're not well-traveled whatsoever. Um, and so when you when you go up there, it's, it feels like really remote it's it's pretty cool and like there's these little mountaintop villages where there's lots of like goat herders um and so you go and there's just like goats everywhere and people just like live in the that like like old school you know like life like they're just like tending to their field and um walking up and down the mountain every day it's like pretty crazy so yeah. yeah, and it looked uh, you had some amazing photos of that. It looks like you had some hummus too. It looks like you ate a oh lot of hummus. <laughs> I had so much hummus. It looked great. Was Walmart. it awesome? Was it was it like next level hummus? Yeah, the hummus is good. The food, the food, I love Middle Eastern food. So Same. it's like my favorite. Yeah, it was um my body, I think, is still like recovering from all of the like pita bread and the um, <laughs> like it's a lot of meat like at home I don't really eat a lot of meat and being there I was like we ate meat almost every meal because it's just like what you do you what eat you like shawarma and lamb and like Indian uh, like chicken tikka and um, lots of curry and I don't know a lot of things I forget how to say but right. <laughs> um, just like a lot of like grilled meats um, and it's amazing, but like my stomach was like, what are you doing? <laughs> and we go to the, all the hotels have these amazing like buffets. And I just like could not control myself at these buffets. Cause they'd have like a whole section of just like amazing bread, like bakery breads. And then they'd have like a guy making omelets and then they'd have like all this like amazing Indian food. And it's like, I don't know. I just need all of it. <laughs> gotta try it. You gotta soak it in. Yeah. A little bit of all of it. Such good fruit too. Oh, 
I love traveling just because the fruits are like so much better always. Like everywhere else in the world, the fruits fruits are better. I don't know why. <laughs> hmm. That's yeah. interesting. Um, well, it looks like you made the most of it. I mean, overall, a successful trip from start to finish, it seemed like. Yeah. Seems like you nailed it. Yeah. Um, so again, excited. I can't, can't tell you how excited I am for you. Again, the, the you. commitment that you made to it and followed all the way through definitely paid off to totally deserved all the success so awesome job this year thank you so much <laughs> so i'll be excited to see what we got next year and we'll make sure to keep everybody posted on it but uh enjoyed not racing at least i don't know jack jacksonville let's just not talk about it. <laughs> no, 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 no. all right cool anyway, we're signing off all right thanks <laughs>